As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So, less than a week after saying I wasn't getting any bad vibes, even had City lost at Leicester, I'm now saying that I've had the bad vibes, even if they'd won against Southampton. Funny old game and all that. This is Why Always Us, your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee is here also. Hiya, Sam. Morning. Morning. How are you doing? Uh, yeah. Weird game, wasn't it? We'll get into that. Interesting few days to come as well. Yeah, it's a weird feeling with uh, possibly the uh, the most hectic of weeks to come. So uh, yeah, yeah, just, we'll, just the three best teams in the world. Yeah, we'll dive into that. Um, you can sign I'm up to the Athletic true. right now and read all of Sam's stuff on City as well. Uh, just sign up with the code Man City Pod and you'll get a thirty three percent discount off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. Um, so then, Sam, uh, after the positivity against Leicester and the performance there, um, where did Saturday come from? Yeah, I, do you remember what I was saying after the Leicester game? Like I was trying to juggle not getting carried away by it, but saying it is encouraging because basically it's too early in the season. This is kind of why. And I was speaking to my boss this morning and he was like, oh, God, um, you know, if, if City... Well, and actually he said, regardless of the results, he was like, the next two Premier League games against Chelsea and Liverpool away will would tell us a lot about where they're at. I was like, I don't know if it would actually, because yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be great if if City lost both of those games. But um, even in their good season, City are full, fully capable of losing at Stamford Bridge and, and Anfield. Yeah. And then you stack that on top of a kind of weird resort against Southampton, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then I suppose the fact that they've already dropped points at Spurs, which in my view was not irrelevant, because you know it's three points that aren't there. But in terms of performance and reasons to worry, I don't think there's much there. So... Even if City did drop points against the other two t- proper title challenges, um, there'd be a lot of chaos, wouldn't there? But, you know, it, it, is, it is still early on. Um, anyway, Southampton, I, I, I don't know. That noise you made then just perfectly summed up what the game was. I've never heard any noise like that before. It's just kind of like, uh, uh. like <laughs> Yeah, just, well, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on... Um, yeah, I wasn't really planning on going with this. But the way that Guardiola said maybe we were a bit mentally tired, I was like, okay, is that normal? Um, that I mean, if, if I was going to worry about anything, and I'm not saying I am, because, you know, the season is still very long. And, okay, Chelsea and the ball are good, but City, City will be fine, I, I, I would have I thought. Um, but the fact, yeah, that, that goes, I mean, maybe we were mentally a bit tired. Of, that, that was interesting. Um is, and is there any room for that this season? Because what I would say is games like Saturday can happen and yeah. they, they do happen. But obviously the worry at the moment is going to be that if Liverpool and Chelsea don't have those games. But they will. You know, they, they will have those games. Um, so that's not too much of an issue, I don't do, think, at the moment in terms of where the points are going to come from. Do those games happen for City? Because it was it was... We talked on last week's show. Had they lost against Leicester, you knew how they were going to lose. They would have all of the yeah, ball. Yeah. They, well, no, I mean the around. games happen in terms of they they don't have you know they don't have their best day and things yeah. don't go their way and they drop points. But no, in terms of in terms of the pattern of the game itself, it was very different. And I think simply the difference was Southampton didn't sit back and you know City didn't just have the ball on the edge of the box, passing it around and probing and not really getting anywhere. Um, the City's attack seemed to start. 30 yards outside their own goal. You don't want to transition or 
if you know Edison got the ball in his gloves and rolled it out to somebody and City went again from there you know that that seemed to be where City's chances came from and that was because of how um, how Southampton played and I, and I thought Southampton played really well and obviously they, that really knocked City off their stride I mean I, I don't know how much you can say Southampton playing well um, could account for you know players being in space and miscontrolling the ball or you know may, maybe it did you know if, if you if you're thrown off your stride completely and the game's not right then maybe those kind of things follow but in terms of people saying oh Fernandinho looked his age and you know Fernandinho had a shocker and he did the difference was we talked about Leicester probably more with the community shield, but they just don't let the ball go into the defensive midfielder. They, you know, they, they, they're very compact through the middle and they make City go wide. And that's obviously what they did last weekend. But Southampton were more like, okay, we'll let the defensive midfielder have it. And then when he does get it, we're going to be on him. We're going to make him face his own goal. We're going to cut off his options. And they did that with Fernandinho and they did that with Walker. Well, they did it with everyone, but they did it with Walker, you know, when he gave away the penalty that was overturned. Yeah. His options, he had no options on the ball, but he still tried a, a stupid pass really to Gundogan, even though he knew it wasn't on. Maybe he, he meant to push it an extra few yards wide of the, can't remember who it was who cut it out now. Um, but that's, that's what they did all game. And that's why when Guardiola said the biggest problem was the fact that you know the process wasn't right? They didn't build up properly from the back, and he mentioned you know the the goalkeeper, the back four, and the defensive midfielder. That was absolutely right. You know that that was the case. Um, but it was interesting because he was asked about inevitably. He was like, "Is the fact that he didn't have a striker?" I can't remember if it was worded as, "Is the fact you don't have a striker the reason for this?" And obviously he was going to say no. And I agree, it wasn't the biggest reason. And then he said the biggest reason, which again I agree with, was the build up wasn't right, and it wasn't. You know, you, you could tell. Um, but it is interesting because I do think there might have been a little bit of striker narrative to throw in there because on the one hand, you've got, let's just say, on the most basic way of putting it, Gundogan's header in the first half where he just didn't really, he just didn't really know what to do with it, did he? he just hit it hit him, over yeah, hit him and went over. Like, so, you could, so you could say, if that was Lukaku, if that was Kane, if that was Ronaldo, whatever, you know, you could just, you could just say easily, that's going in and that's easy to do and I'm, I'm not sure it's necessarily the case, but I can see the argument for that and you know, some just somebody who could put in a chance like that, you could say that would help. But I think more interestingly is Guardiola's subs didn't do anything to change how the game was going. It, it didn't. He didn't do anything to change the fact that City's chances started forty yards from their own goal, and they had to go and run up into space. And that's fine because if the build-up's not right, who would you bring on? Yeah, Laporte. Stones, Zinchenko, Rodri, they, they, none of them were fit. So he didn't really do anything to improve it. Um, before Gundogan actually went to defensive midfield, I thought, well, that, that's the best option here because he's good in those, you know, he's good under pressure. If they put him under pressure, he can flick the ball to somebody else. It's not too bad. But that was about as much as he could have done. But then all he could do was basically bring on City's best players. So he brought on De Bruyne and he brought on Foden and he brought on Mares, the guys that you would think there's a good chance they're going to score a goal here or... Obviously, De Bruyne put the ball in for Foden's header, so there was a cross. Mares he can you know manufacture those crosses or shots from that side as well. So it was basically all about just bringing on individual quality and leaving the game how it was, with op- opportunities for Southampton to go the other way as well. Yeah. Um, and now, if that's going to be the case, then if there were, let's say, for whatever reason, City had signed in and he were on the bench. Or he was he was just starting, and, and those chances presented themselves. You could say a clinical number nine would have been useful because the only answer City had available on the day was individual quality. Yeah, sling it to in get the, box the ball and, into and, those yeah. big spaces. Yeah, put it in the box, or you know, just when when they're running 50, 60 yards up the pitch, give it to somebody who knows what they're doing with it. But as we know, and we've said in the past, I don't think City. Well, City aren't very good at counter attacking. They're not very good at transitions. Even in the first half, when it wasn't so urgent. They had opportunities to do it, and it was just like, okay, go on. And then they just kind of, you know, when the player just is over by the left touch line, or it could be the right, but in this case, it was the left. And they just slow down and go back. It's like, what are you doing? Just kind of attack like a proper team. Like, but they just don't do that, do they? So, yeah. yeah. So there was, I think there was an element of a striker would have been useful. Um, although I, I do think it's, it's overplayed. And I do believe Guardiola that there were other issues. But obviously, those issues being those issues meant that. There were big spaces to run into and chances were going to be created that way and you know, yeah. maybe a, a clinical player. The other thing about a striker, and this is a general point, is at what point do City's players they've already got just 
I was going to say pull their finger out, but at the same time, that's really harsh, isn't it? Like, so the other, the, probably the more pertinent question is, what more do they have to do? Because they're always top scorers anyway. And we, we, I think it's commonly accepted that a clinical finisher would take them to the next level. But without that, it's like, well, I think so, with Sterling, it's fairly obvious. There's a margin there. With Jesus, there's a margin there, isn't there? But how, how many more goals would you want to see from Bernardo and De Bruyne? And Foden, you could probably put down to experience, couldn't you? You could growth, say, yeah. well, he's getting older now, so he can score for more goals, and I'm sure he probably will. But it's like, it, there probably does need to be an improvement from the team as well, in fairness. Yeah. Not just rely on one player, whoever that may be. I um, I also wanted Sam to get the audio of uh, Ralph Hasselhutten speaking after the game, uh, but I couldn't find it anywhere because I thought it was quite interesting. I saw Simon Bykowski from the uh, Manchester Evening News tweet it when he said... Um, uh, yeah, Hassel, Hassel he, he was like afterwards. a match flash. Yeah, um, he said, when you play it, and he's talking about uh, the formation that Southampton played, which was a 4-2-2-2, um, when you play it perfect, it works against Pep because he wants to play football. And I thought that was interesting yeah. because a lot of teams come to the Etihad, sit back, try and contain City, get beaten. And Southampton were very much on the front foot and trying to press City in in all tight areas. We had Sam Ty on the Blue Moon podcast this week, and he was saying that that Hasselhut and Southampton are one of the the most intelligent pressing teams in the Premier League. They, they don't yeah, like they, they, they don't like playing teams like Burnley because you can't press the the direct pass over the top to somebody. Yeah, yeah, and it was every time Ake, Diaz or Fernandinho had the ball, there were just no options whatsoever. So, mm. I mean, going Which forward... Which also doesn't help because those two are the least the least competent passers in terms of the centre-backs. They're, they're good on the ball, yeah. but they're not Stones and they're not Laporte. So that that... That was a bit. Of, that was a circumstantial one as well. Where if you're talking about how did it happen, also the the injuries on this occasion didn't actually help. But, but my, against another team, it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference. But this is my this is my question now because uh, Guardiola in his pre-match press conference said that he didn't think Laporte and Stones would be back for Chelsea. So where does that well, leave? Did this? he say that though? I, well, maybe, he said maybe yeah. he'll later, maybe he'll later claim he never said it. <laughs> but he uh, but but uh, the, no, we're, anyway. we're going to get yeah, onto exactly. that and jokes of it jokes later on. I know maybe if the fans had supported a bit harder, they might have won. I know it's all jokes. Very funny. Um, like. What happens next week then? Because obviously Chelsea, oh PSG, Liverpool. If they if they have to go yeah. into that with the with the same trio there, Fernandinho, um, yeah. Ake Diaz, surely like on paper those players are fine. But if if they if those teams have watched Southampton press City and go right, well we'll just do that. Then well, City oh could yeah, be they'll trouble. just get they'll just get me- they'll just get Messi and Neymar to do that, will they? Like, <laughs> so I won't I won't worry about that too much. But yeah, Chelsea is a concern, and and Liverpool. You know, Liverpool. The whole the whole point is to lure teams into those areas in the middle and then go right. We're pouncing, so it would be a problem. Yeah, in the two Premier League games, it, it is it is it is a problem. And obviously, you mentioned Laporte and Stones, and Guardiola saying, you know, hopefully back for after the Chelsea game. There's there's also Rodri who's injured, and he said Gundogan probably won't play on Tuesday, which I would imagine is more of a rest thing. But that's obviously one to keep an eye on. So all of a sudden, it's gone from. City have got a full bill of health. De Bruyne and Foden are back to like all the players who are capable of passing out from the back are injured, <laughs> which isn't which isn't great, is it? Um, so yeah, um, what what was the what was the question again? How's it going to go against Chelsea? I'd rather not. I'd rather not stray into that because it's easy to feel at the moment like Chelsea are going to, you know, be this juggernaut that, and you know City aren't going to get any points out of the next three games or whatever. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but. There's definitely reason to be concerned against Chelsea, and obviously at the end of last season, I was ah oh, the FA Cup semi final. There's reasons for that, and the Premier League game. There's reasons for that, and I stand by that. Um, the Champions League final, the reasons just were. Well, were, were there was enough. a reason and, you know, for the that, psychology yeah. wasn't right. Yeah, exactly. They weren't good enough, but it wasn't like oh well, they didn't play their strongest team, or you know, Mendy played, or you know, whatever. Um, and again, at Chelsea at the weekend, it's just going to have to be City. You're going to have to play the, the best team available, and. Guardiola's going to come up with something, isn't he? And he's like, it's 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 going to be the same conversation. He's either going to be a genius or a fraud. Excellent, can't wait for that one. Um, yeah, I know, I know. And also, like, yeah, the I mean, Anfield, Anfield away is always going to be horrible, and it's an international break after that. So it doesn't it doesn't take a genius to work out the the kind of most pessimistic scenario after that. But like, it's still so early in the season. Like, it was a, it was a bit of a mad game. Um, quite kind of unlucky with the offside. In fact, what I should say about the offside is now I know Sterling's not playing very well, and like when when it's come to mentioning the players who are unhappy, we've not mentioned Sterling as much because I've got to be honest. If you mention Sterling even semi negatively in the media now, it's a very it's very dicey ground. Like, do you remember when there was the 
the rumours of that rift with Guardiola after the Fulham game at the end of last season when he got left out of the squad. Was that not? Was it not Southampton um, at home last season as well? Yeah, it was. Um, he got left out of that and then obviously he kicked off afterwards. Well, he kicked off after he found out he wasn't in the squad and then he got dropped for the Fulham game. And there was the rumours were going around initially on, on Blue Moon, actually, that... Um, that there'd been a row with Pep. But then on Sunday, there was that stupid Reddit post about how De Bruyne and Foden, I think, had backed him up and it's really kicked off. And now Sterling was able to deny that. You know, Sterling just said there's some stupid rumours going around today. And the, the stupid rumour was the one everyone had heard. And that wasn't true. You know, Foden was involved, De Bruyne wasn't involved. But Sterling was. Um, but obviously, because he did, because he played it down and denied it, you've got to be very careful because, you know, he denied it anyway. But I remember... I was ready to do a story on the fact that there, there was a rift. But my bosses were like, we've got to be careful because if he denies this, thinking, you know, if we put the story out and then he denies it later on, the power of Raheem Sterling in that context is is huge, especially for a company like ours, which is still effectively a startup. You know, we're only two years old. I think hopefully we're doing quite well, but two years old, you know, you don't want you don't want something to ruin the reputation with a, a high-profile player like Sterling calling, calling something out. So there's a bit of a delicate media environment around Sterling. And because he hasn't got an agent at the moment, it's harder for... Yeah, you know, to speak to people around him and be like, "Is this fair to say? What's you know, what's he feeling and this kind of stuff?" So there's a bit of radio silence in terms of the Sterling side, but he he was one of the players who ended last season less than happy. I've heard a couple of rumours around City that he's close to signing a new contract, and I've heard more about that than I've heard saying he won't. But I I, I think, and this is this this is probably worth nothing because normally, normally in football, when you m- make the mistake of thinking, "Well, this makes sense," it's almost always irrelevant. Like going back to the Kane thing and saying, well, City will make a bid late in the window, wouldn't they? Because why wouldn't they? Like that wasn't the case. And you think it's the most sensible thing in the world from the outside, but on the inside, things are different. Yeah. But I mean, what would make sense for Sterling for me, if I was advising him and God knows I'm not, I would be like, well, why sign anything now? You're not entirely happy with the situation. Give it another six months or a full season to see how your game time is to see if you're happy. And then either it would be easier for you to go because you'll have more leverage or you'll get loads of money. Sterling's got 250 grand a week because he had one year left on his contract for different reasons. But 250 grand a week is a lot for a centre-back, and it's it's fair for, well, it's probably fair for how good Stones is, but it's yeah. a lot of money. And he, would, he probably wouldn't have got that if he had two or three years left. So if I was Sterling, I'd wait. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. And the point I'll go back to is he has been poor for a while now, for City anyway, because he's been better for England. Um and something, you know, something strange there. He's just completely off his best, even at a time when you know the system is working. You know, last season when the system was working and the positions were there for the tap in, and everyone was doing the right thing, but Sterling was still off it. That was, I think, largely due to that riff with Pep. So, him, he's not playing well, and the fans aren't happy generally. But I even saw some stuff the other day about the offside goal saying, oh, he's stupid. He shouldn't have gone for that ball. And that, and I, that is pure bollocks. Do you know what I like? That is just yeah. pure, I don't like this guy at the moment. He's playing badly, so I'm just going to slag him off. For a like, how could, like, imagine he hadn't gone for that ball. You'd be saying, how, what the hell's the matter with him? Well, he didn't know he was offside. It was very close. I mean, okay, if he hadn't gone for it, then Foden would have scored it and City would have won. But like, you can't boil it down to those terms. Like, there's Sterling had to go for the ball. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous that people will claim otherwise. But, but yeah, he's, he's not playing well, is he? And, in fairness to him, it'd be good to see him on the right wing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did it for about, what, 20 minutes the other day after half time, and then, then it was I, a bit I, longer. I can't actually remember middle, that. It was a bit yeah. longer, but yeah, yeah. There, we, yeah there we go. Um, yeah. But I'm not having him as a number nine, not at all. Um, and yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see for the Ferran Torres experiment how that goes for in big games like Chelsea and Liverpool. I wouldn't be, I mean, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the false nine back because it's a big game the Guardiola's were going to want to control and have more passes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see. De Bruyne was false nine and Bernardo and Gundogan in midfield if Gundogan's fit. And yeah. Well, what, then it'd be interesting to see if Foden or Grealish plays. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's touch also on the other um, VAR decision of the game very briefly, Sam. Uh, Hassan Hootl, not happy that it was overturned. Uh, He says it wasn't a clear or a big error. Um, From my seat, I was expecting the penalty to stand and the red card to be overturned. Um, Having watched it back, what do you think? That's what I thought. That's what I thought, given how VAR works. But to be fair, I didn't think it was a pen. Like, Walker was kind of leaning in, but the, the guy was almost kind of sliding to win the ball when Walker made contact. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm not very I'm not very good on these ones where it's like, because this always used to happen to me. And I, I remember getting booked once when I played years ago, just because I was going to, I was going to get the ball and the, and the striker stepped in front of me and I, and I tripped him up and the ref gave a free kick against me. And I'm like, well, he, fu-. like, yeah, he if he hadn't put himself path, in the way, yeah. then that would never have been a foul. And I threw the ball at him because um, <laughs> that's what I'm like. Great, booking. Really Great booking to take. <laughs> yeah. Well, all of my bookings were descent based. All of them. <laughs> Um, as you can probably imagine, and, but that was uh, that was like thirteen years ago, and I still remember that because those fouls, I, I'm no good with them. Like, you know, the simple answer is, as a journalist, find out what the rule is. But if I was Walker, there, I'd be saying, "Well, I was going to clear that ball," and he's kind of tried to slide in, and we've made contact. So I, I might be wrong. But I, I didn't think it was a penalty, and I, it was a mental decision to send him off. That was, yeah. that was fucking mental. Like, what, what had he even seen to to come up with that? Um, but yeah, I mean, after that, there was so much energy in the stadium around that, but. The, the funny thing is, because I do think it's a very different game to when City normally drop points, you know, for, for the tactical reasons, basically, because of Southampton's approach. But, like, our Southampton correspondent was there, and, and he was just like, oh, you know, City are going to score here. And it was about 20 minutes left, and I was like, nah, I can't see it. But on other days, you know, if it had been one of those other defeats when the other teams camped in their box and City just aren't doing anything, I, I, even though you can never know for certain, I'd be like, they're definitely not scoring here. But he, he, his argument was, City, you just got so much individual quality. And I was like, yeah, to be fair, I could see that because there is space to run into. And you just think if you get somebody running down the middle and they just play it to their left for Grealish or play it to their right for Mares or whatever, there's probably going to be a finish on. But I just thought, for different reasons to normal, I just thought, it's not happening here. And I don't know why it was. I can't, I can't put my finger on why because, like I say, there were different chances being created. There were different balls being put into the box. There were... Yeah, there were more transitions, there were more counters. I know they're not very good at that, but like I say, it just it just takes one. You know when Jesus had that shot, probably with about 35 minutes left of the game, and it looked like it taken the deflection, but it went way over the bar and it was a goal kick, and Cancelo was going mad. And Jesus was like, well, talk, tell me. Because Cancelo had made like an, uh, I suppose it would be an underlapping run, but it was on the left. Um, and he was in loads of space. And you just think, it just needs one of those, and somebody's going to have a tap-in. So yeah. Yeah, you think one of those would have been possible, but it just I just didn't get the feeling, despite the fact that there was a lot of those, that City were ever going to do it. It was, a, it was a strange one. Yeah. One of my uh, best ever bookings, by the way. Uh, I got booked after a game uh, for shaking the referee's hand and saying, cheers, ref, you missed a great game, though. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah, he booked that, me for yeah, that. That's, that's was, sake, yeah, yeah, absolutely worth it. Um, there is another aspect to this week, uh, Sam. Has, has the week off the pitch been a distraction um there's two schools of thought city fans uh, who were annoyed at guardiola's words on wednesday after the leipzig game have created something that was a distraction for him and have affected the performance or guardiola inviting people to come to the game because he said he needed the fans put more pressure on him and the team than otherwise would have been there that theory that you know the players start then believing that they've got a harder task than they actually have do you know what i mean Mm. yeah i mean i don't think it will affect the dressing room that much I mean, like, there's there's always this. Like, people ask me in the Q and A's about this, and I'm, I can't I can't remember the other kind of city related stories where people are like, oh, do you know how this affects the dressing room? And it's like, do you think they're asked about like anything? And like, we can't talk about it too much. In fact, we haven't talked about it at all on this podcast. But obviously, the, the Mendy situation is going on. It's incredibly difficult to do on a podcast because normally my way of doing a podcast is we'll talk about the, the kind of the fact, then I will go into all the, the insight and or at least my opinion of it. But that's literally the opposite of what you can do with an ongoing legal case like this and a big trial coming up. So there's nothing we can really do to talk about it. But we can st- state the facts. And in the context of this, it's a bit of a strange point to make. But you're asking me if City players are bothered about the manager talking about the fans. Players get arrested. They just carry on. As a dressing room, in terms of sports psychology, they've just got to focus on their own game anyway. They've, they've got to, you know, focus on what they're doing and the next action and whatever. But it's just, like, I, I don't think these things 
bother them too much. Um, yeah. I think Guardiola's got past the point of you know bigging up. I've said this before, but in his first season, he used to he was like, "Look, guys, we're playing Middlesbrough. They do this, they, they do that. They're really good." And but the mentality of the City players at the time was, "Fucking, I would take these guys seriously." But whereas at Barcelona and Bayern, he could um, he could say, "Look, the, these guys, we need to take these guys seriously because Barcelona and Bayern, if anything, their problem was going to be, oh yeah, well, we'll smash this lot." And he had to kind of remind them to be on their game. Whereas at City, it was almost like he was spooking them into believing that Middlesbrough are better than they are. So I think they're past that in terms of thinking, oh God, Southampton's going to be really difficult. And if anything, that's probably, you know, they they need to be on that. So in fact, when Guardiola was talking about how um, the the build-up was the problem and the process was the problem, I asked, I was like, is there anything you can do in the game to change that? And he was just like, you've got to practice on the training ground. And I was like, yeah, but in the game, is there anything you can do? And he he didn't he didn't he didn't say whether there was or there wasn't. He just said he got he gets he just said I've got to convince them on the training ground that, that this is the way to do it. Um, and I mean I can believe that. And again, like what can you really do to 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 do it on the pitch when all your all your all of your build up players are injured? Yeah. Um. So that's fair enough. But it's interesting that he talks about convincing them to do it, and it goes back to probably match plans and the fact that obviously he absolutely bollocked Mares, didn't he? And to a lesser extent, Grealish against Leipzig for not tracking the the inside. I think it was the DM. I think their instincts were, we need to go and mark somebody out wide or cut off a pass out wide. But he was like, no, you've got to do it to the guy down the middle. And that's how Leipzig created their chances. So, and Guardiola obviously like really bollocked them for it. And he said they only had 10 minutes to prepare for the Southampton, which is probably a bit of an exaggeration, but it won't have been much more than that. So it probably it does come down to Guardiola having to say, these guys are going to do this. This is what we need to do. And maybe part of the process was they just they did what they normally would do, but not what they had to do against Southampton. And, you know, because Guardiola's going to understand that, but maybe it's harder to get across to the players. Or, I don't know. Maybe it's harder to get across when you've got one training session. I'd yeah. imagine it's more that than anything. Because at this point in his City career, with all those players being there for so long, you'd think they would know what to do. But anyway, so was was that a distraction? No. I know that's a a five-minute detour on what the biggest talking point actually is. So <laughs> so Guardiola's initial comments, right, was just, well, I saw that when I was away, and I was like, well, wait, okay, well, here we go again. This, this is nothing new. He's, just, he's done this all the time. Obviously not last season when there was no fans, but other than that, probably twice a season on average. Well, I was going to say, Sam, let's begin at the beginning uh, because this is uh, Guardiola speaking to BT Sport after the game with RB Leipzig in midweek. I would like to to come more people next next game on Saturday. We need the people next Saturday, okay. please, because we will be tired. I know the team from Ralph is uh, it's quite similar to uh-huh. the way they play. Um, they are so so dangerous, good quality, and it's a really important game uh, for us. So I invite to all our people to come next Saturday, 3 p.m. to watch the game. Then several people, myself included, reacted on Twitter, and uh, Kevin Parker, the general secretary of the official supporters club, gave an interview where he said um, Pep doesn't understand the difficulties that some people might face having to get to a game at the Etihad on a Wednesday evening at 8pm. They've got kids to think of. They might not be able to afford it. There are still some COVID issues about. I don't see why he comments on it. People are talking more about Pep's comments than a fantastic game. To question the support, which is effectively what he's doing, is disappointing and uncalled for. Um, That then obviously dominated Friday's pre-match press conference. Um, It's obviously the first thing that Guardiola was asked about. Uh, He then said this. Interpretation is interpretation. So I'm not going to apologize what I said, but I didn't say it wrong. In the last year and a half, two seasons, we have done unfortunately without them. And I was incredibly grateful for the support that we had the last game against Leipzig and when we play away, when we play home with all our people. So, and always I said that, hey, guys, if you want to join us, we'll be incredibly happy if you come to see the next game against Southampton because I know, I knew, I know, and tomorrow I will know it, how difficult it will be. And I prefer to be with my people than without my people. But if they don't come for any reason, it's perfect. I never had to was here to say why you didn't come. But you don't come, don't come. If you want to come, be pleasure. If you don't, you don't. And then uh, he was also asked in that press conference about the factors that affect uh, City's supporters base. Basically, that City don't have the pool of casual fans that teams like United or Liverpool do. This is what he said. We are who we are. We are proud who we are. So I know the history. I learned from this, this club when we were in the lower division how it means to travel and follow the team. I respect a lot. 
I don't want to be like United. I don't want to be like uh, Liverpool. I don't want to be like uh, Barcelona, like Bayern Munich, like Madrid, like all the big clubs. We are who we are in good things, bad things are all the clubs. I like it. Like, don't misunderstand it. Don't put some words in my mouth. I didn't say it. That what I don't like it. And it's a big, big problem for the fans. I never will be a problem for my fans. Never, ever. If I'm a problem with fans, I will make a step aside. It's not a problem for me. So, but I am one of them. Since the day one, I try to do my best, my job as best as possible. That's for sure. So, if we are, I like to play in the stadium with my fans. Oh, I said, I'm happy. I was in incredible tough game against Leipzig. I knew it. we were in some moments, we were clinical when we consider goal score again. We consider goal score again. We consider goal score again. Otherwise, the last minute will be so tight. I was incredibly happy. It was exhausted. I saw that my team in the locker room, how difficult. And I thought in that moment, in that moment, I was thinking of Southampton. It was three days. And I said, come guys, come to join us. Come to do it together. Come there to, to try to beat the team of Ralph because I know how difficult it will be. This is my message. But when this guy or the other guys or Sky want to misunderstand the situations or my comments, this is the problem, but I'm here to defend what I said. I make a mistakes. I'm here to say, guys, I'm sorry, apologize. But in that case, I will not apologize for one second what I said. Because my intention, I know exactly what is my intentions, is to be part of something, you know, and do it together. Even with that, I prefer to say 10,000 people, like a year and a half or two years and a half, like we were empty. So I prefer it. I know who we are and, and, and the team. And I like the fans that we have. City then put in the performance that they did um, and it was still the first thing that Guardiola was asked about afterwards and a little warning for some reason, there's a bell rung during this answer. I've tried to turn it down as much as I can um, but uh, yeah, have a listen to this. They come to see a show, to see a game and they will enjoy it. When it's happened, I'm grateful that there is a why we are in this business and when it happened, I'm so a little bit guilty because I we didn't pay good. But right now, until now, I don't understand this subject ask me what happened because what I said is just guys come to be together the next game is the same I'm going to say now please come on Tuesday against uh, Wickham so the Carabao Cup please come come to, to be with us that is was what I said no more than that we were more than one year without them it was not the same it's not the same to play football you know with, with them or without them so I'm still a little bit shocked for the fact why the people ask me this question when normally in five years never ask me this question when I didn't say anything. But anyway, uh, thank you for coming. Of course, they were awesome, especially last minute when we push more. But it's difficult to ask them when we are not good in our build-up and we lost simple balls in our process because we were not clever today and a little bit sloppy. So that's why for result, compliment for um, Southampton and yeah, move forward. I think that's the uh, Guardiola was shocked bell, Sam. I think that's what it was. Um, huh. But uh, yeah, yeah, so that, that's where we're at. That's that's the week uh, in a nutshell. Um, what do you make of it all, Sam? Yeah, well, there's a few different elements of this. And like to go back to the first thing he said, the very first words, you know, interpretation is interpretation. Now, let's, for the moment because I, what, what i will say is that's all very convincing and i can see why a lot of people are like oh yeah it was a misunderstanding blah 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 i i can see that because that is very a very convincing way to put it um but when when he says interpretation is interpretation it's like do you not think it was interpreted in that way by so many people including myself in in the sense of he's having a go with the fans here, or you know he's at least having a little comment because he does it all the time and now the thing that annoys me about what he said on Friday, and then after the game on Saturday, saying I did, not- I said nothing wrong after Leipzig, and it's like, okay, maybe, maybe you th- you think he didn't, and may- maybe he has changed. You know, when he says, if ten thousand people come, that's fine. Maybe he has changed because that definitely wasn't what he wanted. That definitely wasn't the message when he first took over at City. I remember the first time he said it was after that Munch and Gladbach game in twenty sixteen in September when he got rearranged for the night after and there was a lower attendance and he first kind of made a pointed comment then and then he does it in his way when he's you know it's completely off the agenda if you excuse the pun and he'll be talking about a game and then all of a sudden there'll be a Champions League game coming up and he'll throw in a little sarky comment about oh yeah I know our fans can't come in the in the Champions League but hopefully they can be in the Premier League and he does do that so if, if it's been interpreted in that way 
It's because he does do it, and he has done it. And when he said, I never said I wanted more people to come, literally on that clip, he said, I would like more people to come on Saturday. What I will say is, everything he said about the game itself, you know, how about how Southampton have got seven days to prepare, we've got three days, um, you know, Southampton's approach will be like Leipzig. Absolutely spot on. You know, that was absolutely right. But... So maybe maybe he's changed his mind in terms of the fan base and maybe he's accepted that there's not going to be as many people there. Um, and that's, that's possible. And especially after the pandemic, because he said there, didn't he, last year there was none. So if, if there's just 10,000 fans, that's great. That's better than nothing. And I know footballers have kind of changed their man- mentality in that sense. I remember during the Euros, Wales played Turkey and Azerbaijan. And obviously it was just going to be mainly Turkey fans. I think they asked Bill. They're like, oh, you know, is this going to be a problem playing in basically a hostile atmosphere? And he was like, well, no, you know, after playing a year without fans, it's just nice to have fans in at all, which completely flips the psychology of away games on his head, if you think about it. And I wonder how long that novelty is going to last for. But it was interesting (laughs) that during the summer... Sorry, I'm just thinking Anfield's coming up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll just be glad of it. Exactly. I'm sure sure it's not going to be relevant now, and I'm sure it won't be a Stamford Bridge either. But that was interesting. And I'm sure there, there probably is an element with Guardiola of, you know, he was he was definitely having to go before about years ago about tennis is not being right and he wanted more people to come for the Champions League because obviously he felt at the time certainly the more people that turn up to Champions League the more that the club as a whole takes it seriously the better chance they've got of winning it because you know he always talked about the history in the competition they didn't always have that going back to the 60s 70s like other you know teams that loads of European clubs do have so that was part of it so maybe maybe he's changed because of the pandemic maybe he's changed because he just accepts it and maybe all he was saying was come on we need to Maybe what maybe he was maybe what he said on Friday and Saturday to explain it is legit. Maybe all he was saying was come to the game because it's going to be really difficult. We need people there. But we look, we know what he's like. He has a way of making a point when nobody's asked him to make a point. He does it in a very sarcastic way. Sometimes he thinks he's well, I don't know if he thinks he's being very clever about it. That's editorializing on my part. But you know he's he's thrown in little comments about Real Madrid before and. And and like I think it was when Scolari was the manager there, and you know this is this is how he does it. So if it's interpreted as him kind of digging out the fans again, or at least mildly, I don't know whether you want to say mocking or whatever. I, I wouldn't say mocking actually, but you know what I mean. Like if there's some kind of barbed comment in there, no matter how mild, I can see why people would think that. And again, there's there's been a little branching out on this because there's that um, there's that Guardiola Twitter account called like the Pep or something. And obviously, it's very pro-Pep. And it was like, this is what he was saying when he was at Bayern. They just quoted an old tweet from literally, it hasn't been changed or anything. It was just says like 2014. And it was Guardiola saying something like, Bayern had a big game coming up. And it was like, I, I know our fans can be quiet, but hopefully they'll turn up for the next game and be a bit noisier. And I was like, what point do you think you're proving with that? Like he's, This just proves that he's been a Saki side at Bayern as well. Like This just proves that he's, he's taking, kind of taking the piss out of the Bayern fans then saying... I know you don't really make much noise, but can you make the effort next time? So, and th- th- this is my problem with it. And it's like, he, he did that. I think he did that again after the Leipzig game. He was like, right, not many people were here tonight. When, well, what was the attendance? About 38,000. Officially, it was 38,000. But I like. Largely, in- largely because there was hardly any Leipzig fans there yeah. for, you know, pandemic reasons. But like, so it was 38,000. It wasn't huge, but it wasn't terrible either. And I think I've seen it more than there was at the Inter game. But, you know, in Italy, they got different restrictions, I think, having seen a bit of the Juve game last night. What so I would it's say difficult is sat, to compare. sat in the ground, it, it didn't feel like it was a good atmosphere. Yeah, it didn't feel like a 38,000 strong crowd. It yeah, felt, so it the felt people bigger I know, yeah. so the people I know, the city fans I know, who go to games and stuff, who, who feel pissed off by what Pep said, were like, "It felt like, like a strange time to make that point because it was a good atmosphere and you know there, there was a good crowd and look, we know all the problems with City and UEFA and the, the you know the size of the fan base. Not you know there's not going to be a load of not necessarily ca- casual fans like you said or day trippers like comes into my head, but you know just and then this conveyor about our fans will go. I'll take that ticket. It's just it's just different at City and we know that. I mean, my. I mean, having said all of that, my biggest problem with it is that is in the way he kind of defended it so strongly. And look, maybe if it is a misunderstanding, he's obviously going to defend it strongly. But like, the, he, he proper dug out Kevin Parker about it. He, the way the, I don't think it was on that clip, but I, I definitely heard it because I remember thinking, bloody hell! But when he was like this man, and then he said Mr. Parker, and it's just that kind of way that he'd talk about Mr. Tebas or you know Mr. Scolari or uh, Mr. Mr. Perez or whatever. And it's just like it's just in that way when. It, Again, even if it is a misunderstanding, he's got such a history of this kind of thing. Like, you don't need to be doing that against the head of the supporters club, who was ultimately sticking up for the fans. And maybe Guardiola feels attacked for no reason. But 
like we just discovered discussed why people would you know take him out of context and that's what ha- what's happened so the way he kind of in my opinion dug out kevin parker was out of order but also just the fact that he keeps saying i never said this i never said that i've never done that if we have you know if only 80 or 100 people come that's fine again okay with may- maybe after the pandemic that's changed but it's just he definitely has said this stuff in the past and like he said, I didn't say we. I wanted more people to come on Wednesday. And he literally did. It was on that clip you just played. He said, it, different, slightly different order, because obviously he was speaking in a kind of Spanish-English. But it was like, I want to come more people to the game on Saturday. You know, that, he literally said it. And then he, he keeps doubling down, saying, I never said this. I'm really pissed off that people are saying this. So you literally said it, Pep. Like, and when he said, you know, if the worst thing is, you know, the interpretation is interpretation thing, because I think that's a really sneaky way to get out of it. Because... There's so many City fans who are going to want to believe him no matter what. So that's just to get out of jail free card. And there's also just the element of, I, I never said this. It's like, well, we did. Um, and just acting all in, in, indignant about it. And when, yeah, when, and when he said, oh, you know, if I make a mistake, I'll, I'll, I'll stand here and apologise. And again, that is convincing because generally I think he, he does kind of hold his hand up on those things. Generally, I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes there. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, awful business, that one. But... Um, but on this in this case I think that's like I don't know it just feels like it. I don't know it feels like a kind of well constructed I don't know whatever uh, yeah I'm not buying I'm not buying it really I'd like, have been quite happy like, if- like I say he was right about the circumstances of the Southampton game and needing the support and why it's going to be difficult and stuff but just to say oh I never said this and that wasn't my point and I'm uh, and, and I've, the, what, what, what annoys me most is him saying he's never said anything like that because he just he has and it's a fact when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think I'd, I'd have been happy on the on the other side of it. I'd have been happy. Uh, I, I'm not interested in picking a fight with the club's greatest ever manager. Do you know what I mean? I'm not interested yeah, exactly. in 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 uh, having a long term war of words between the fans and Pep because, well, one, there's a lot of fans it ain't going to happen with, and two, like he's the club's greatest ever manager. I don't want him to leave. I want him to carry on, you know, managing the team and yeah. winning trophies. That's that's ultimately what it is. I like. I, I don't understand why it, it wasn't just a simple situation of, yeah, sorry, I said that, but that's not what I meant. This is what I meant. Do well, I, I mean? thought he would have just done that thing of saying, I, I my prediction for it was going to be him saying, the kind of stuff he said in terms of, I'm one of us, you know, I love the fan base and, you know, I, I know our history and stuff. I thought he would just answer his own question, as again, as he does, um, answer his own question, just talk about how much he loves the fans and not, say anything else so it's not a full rowing back and not saying i did say this or i didn't say this it would just be i love the fans our fans are great um this is our history it's been like this since day one and that, and that would be it and he, and he just kind of and then if he's actually asked specifically yeah but what about this comment he'd just say i've said what i've said yeah um but i mean that, he didn't. That, he, that, he went, that line he went a very different way with it which i think is a bit out of order that line, I don't want to be United, I don't want to be Liverpool, I don't want to be a Bayern Munich, that speaks to me. That speaks to me so much. Yeah, of course. And that, and that's why I can see why people are like, oh, yeah, well, all is forgiven, Pep. You obviously didn't say anything wrong and we love you and whatever. Because people want to believe that anyway. And then when you make such a compelling case like that, then it's fine. But then it's like, if you actually pay attention and all the stuff he's saying he didn't say in the past, he just has done. So that's, and that's the thing. Like, like your average fan probably wouldn't remember what he said four or five years ago, but I do because I had to write about it. So, you know, I can search my own name and find the find the quotes. You know, I, I, I remember it because I had to work on it. And I had to pay attention to it because it's my job. So I, I remember these things a bit more. So, and yeah. like, it's like this whole thing. I think I mentioned it. Did, did he bring up the comparison of when he, when he said the other week after seven years, I'm I'm gonna go or I'd need a break. I don't think he did. But like with that that comparison has been made among them. I've, that's something I've seen and something I've heard people like, oh, it's like when he said he's he'd need a break and he was misquoted. But when Guardiola said that during that international break, I think it was, um about how you know after seven years I'll need a break here and I'll go and do an international team or whatever. And then he was asked about it and he was like, I'm glad you asked me about this because that's not what I said. I said after my period here, 
uh, and he goes, he goes, and whatever he goes. This is what I told your colleagues in Brazil or Spain, whatever it was, on the Zoom call. I said, you know, when I'm, when my time's done, I'll be I'll be gone. I didn't say anything about seven years. Um, but then later on, a reporter basically did what I'm doing now in terms of saying, "Well, you did say this." A reporter in the embargoed section, which is almost always kind of less popularized, said, "He goes, you did actually say seven years though." Um, and Pepper was like, "I know, I said what." He goes, "I said what I said earlier on, you know." That's it, and he was like, "Yeah, but you did say seven years." He goes, "He goes, you speak English very well. It's not normally a mistake you make." And to be fair, he actually gave the interview in Spanish, um, so even less chance of making a mistake. And he said, "You did say seven years," but Guardiola just refused to kind of entertain that. Um, so it's it's a bit like that, really, where Guardiola can kind of just say, "Well, this is what I said," and people were happy to believe it because obviously people don't want to think he's going to leave after seven years. So if he says, "No, I'm going to be here for a long time," then people are going to believe that. I mean, incidentally. The word is during all these contract talks that have been had during the the summer and they're ongoing. Like the, the the part of it is, oh, you know, don't worry about Guardiola's contract. You know, he, you know, he's he's here. Well, I don't want to say the long haul, but it, it, the kind of reassurances were made behind the scenes as well that you know he's not thinking seven years and then done. You know that that's kind of um, how it's been portrayed. So that the 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 talk behind the scenes, and don't forget the talk behind the scenes this summer was that you were going to make big signings and they were going to bring in a big striker, and then they obviously didn't, and things change. But you know, the the talk is actually that he's not going to leave after seven years and he's going to carry on. So that is fine. But in terms of Guardiola in a press conference saying, actually, no, I didn't say that when he actually did, you know, he, he does have he does have form for that as well. But yeah. The problem is then people are happy to believe what he says because it's Guardiola and he's great for all the reasons you mentioned and because people want to believe that he's staying and they don't want to believe he's having to go at the fans. So it's much easier just to say, well, we love Pep, so we believe him. But, you know, life's not like that. And I'm not saying it's a big deal. And the problem is now people are going to be listening to this on Monday, Tuesday, be like a week after he said it and people are going to think, oh, it's just the media dragging it on. And look, so, so there's been some stuff in the media about fucking empty seats or whatever. And there's been stu- there'll be stupid memes and banter and stuff. And people are, oh, well, and people are blaming like Kevin Parker for that, which is absolute nonsense. But like the fact that it is being talked about and okay, maybe there is some bullshit in the media somewhere or on memes on Instagram or whatever, because people pay too much attention to that. But like there's a le- legitimate conversation to be had. One about whether, you know, Guardiola talking to the fans and how he talks to them or whatever and you know maybe you don't believe there's anything in that fine but what about the customer service times that everyone's been complaining about um like I didn't I didn't talk too much about the digital ticketing because I thought I genuinely I'll probably mention this before I thought this isn't going to be that much of a problem people are probably complaining too much and it'll work out fine and it, and it did work out better than expected but I know there was ill will around that I know there's ill will around the massive on hold times for the ticket office, and I know there's ill will, will, uh, Ill will about um, the cup scheme. They tried to just sneakily remove the cup scheme, didn't they? And then yeah. they just and then they rode back on it. So I know fans are pissed off. So it's like the city fans who are saying, "Oh, it's all the media and like this is really unhelpful." And Kevin's sparked this or whatever. That's absolute bollocks. It's like blaming Sterling for following in that goal at the weekend. That's completely missing the point. It's just completely irrelevant. And there's more important things going on here, and that is. You know, fans are pissed off, and like maybe you don't go to games, or maybe you do. But there are fans who go to games who are pissed off with the club at the, at the moment, and they don't. And like, and again, maybe maybe Guardiola was misinterpreted, possibly not, but maybe he was. But if he was, also, it's because fans are already thinking they're already pissed off with the club. The, the, the last thing they need is Guardiola with his history, his history of digging out match going fans for not going to Champions League games. He's at it again, so like that that's a relevant thing to say. And also, like, if you've got responsible media, you'll also have, um, you know, you'll have people pointing out how the attendances are normally pretty good at City. And, you know, they might even go back to the whole, you know, 30,000 in in Division 1, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the highest attendance for that Stoke FA Cup game about 80 years ago, whatever it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's, there's it, when, when everyone's talking about it, there is room for this proper debate. But again, with City fans, there's, there are some who, who generally tend to focus on just the negative stuff rather than the good stuff. And to yeah. be fair, that. There, are, there, you know, there is, there has been a lot of empty ad chat, hasn't there? And the the pictures that media companies use are, you know, empty seats at the Etihad. But also, that is the kind of, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Pick, pick choices is a, yeah, picture choices is something that even I'm a bit annoyed about. Like, on my articles, like if City don't win, or it's, or I'm just making a general point, it's like the picture will be Guardiola looking like defeated or something i'm like just fucking can you just put a picture of him just like having a normal face like i I know it like helps sell the narrative but it just makes it look like if there's like a negative headline on it and guardiola looking glove it's like fuck's sake give us a chance but yeah picture choices are 
yeah that, that's always that's, fun it's not a different podcast because nobody's asked but yeah that that's part of it and I, I can appreciate why people have been a bit annoyed about seeing pictures of blue empty seats on their timeline all week but yeah, yeah there's loads of different reasons for that and can i just say like uh, there i've because i've written an article about this at the weekend and i've 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 done stuff about it before in terms of City's fan, um, City fans' views towards the Champions League and UEFA and stuff. But I, I know all of all the legitimate reasons why it's difficult to go to games and, you know, you might just not go to games. But, I mean, let's be honest, I, 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 and I'm hoping this speaks to a few people who are listening to this podcast, and I don't mean this in any disparaging way, and it's a very difficult thing to write because it just sounds like you're having a go and it's something that rival fans will latch onto and go, oh, shit, or whatever. But I, I know it a decent amount of City fans who just can't be asked to go to some of those games. As simple as that. I don't want to go. And it's like that, you know, I, I feel like that there's, there's a, there's a, a room for a 2% mention of that in this whole debate. Cause I, I appreciate that people haven't got as much money and, you know, the people are pissed off with the club at the moment. And, and I, I appreciate that Leipzig isn't the most appealing game when you've already got, you know, the season ticket paid for, you got to pay extra. Um, when, and like, you know, because a couple of years ago, there's always a reason. There's always a good reason. And now it's, you know, it's September, it's midweek, kids are back at school, blah, blah, blah. A couple of years ago when it was April and City fans weren't going to Brighton for the FA Cup semi-final and other fans were like, oh, it's an FA Cup semi-final, blah, blah. City fans were like, it's, it's Brighton. Probably going to win. Probably going to be back for the for the Wembley final. Um, got that was like, that was like the third again. Wembley trip in, in... Yeah, and they had Spurs yeah. as well in the Champions League like a few days later. And it was, I know why people can't go. So I get these reasons. But you know, there's, there are a lot of city fans who just cut. Well, I don't, I don't want to say a lot because I, I couldn't say it's a thousand or two thousand or five thousand. But you know, there, there are certainly some city fans with a particular kind of just attitude they've got in terms of how they are as a person. Just, you just oh, I'm not, not going to that. Like, I can't, can't be asked to watch it on TV. That, 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 that is part of it. it. That's just a little funny thing I wanted to mention. But I, I want to be at pains to point out that I appreciate that as a. A tiny, tiny element of it, but it is something that shouldn't go, you know, unmentioned when we talk about, you know, inflation and the cost of cost of everything going up and f- wages fucking not increasing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's all those good reasons, but there is also let's not forget a few lads who just can't be asked sometimes because yeah. I don't know whatever reason it's warmer. Right. It's warmer at home. The bright side, though, Sam, uh, it's the uh, big one against Wickham on Tuesday. Uh, Carabao Cup's back, so uh, that's the I'm genuinely that we're excited all, uh, by that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see what that one's like. Uh, for now, though, though, Sam, that's the end of this week's Why Always Us. Uh, thanks, as ever, to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. That was a good one. Uh, good. A, few, uh, a few interesting pods coming up, I think. Good, good. Um, yeah, I can't wait to uh, to see the reaction to this week. Uh, hopefully it's a positive one because it means there's been some good results. Uh, we'll be back after the game with Chelsea and ahead of the Champions League tie with PSG. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up for The Athletic right now with a 33% discount. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.